they do a great job. And I tell you, uh, I think Andy and I both want to go with chaperones next time to, uh, to go off to Europe to sing. I think that would be a good thing. I want to say how happy I am to be back after having been out sick and then being gone on vacation. I want to thank you for putting together such a, an amazing group of people. We have the greatest staff that you could ever have. And when I was out sick or when I was gone on vacation, I didn't worry about a thing because I knew that everything was not only going to be handled, but it was going to be handled very, very well. So great job because you've put together an awesome team of people and it's, it's an honor to get to serve with them. Um, today we're going to look at Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 12, and to go uh, down through verse 1 of chapter 4. And as you're turning there, I want to remind you that you have an outline in your newsletter if you're an outline type of person. And also that uh, you can also use our new church app, and you can find the outline uh, on there too if you're uh, electronically inclined to do that. I hope that you will use that. It's a great app. Philippians 3, beginning with verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature uh, be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have already attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live accordingly to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction, their God is the belly, and their glory is in, is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. My favorite preacher uh, was Fred Craddock. He was my, my preaching professor in seminary, and I could, I could listen to him all day long. He passed away back in 2015, but he preached a sermon and told a story that I think I'll never forget. He told me that he was visiting with uh, one of his seminary students and, and his family and having a nice dinner at their house. And then after dinner, um, the couple got up to take the kids to put them to bed and left him there alone in the living room uh, with the family pet, which was a big old greyhound. And so he was looking at the dog, and the dog was looking back at him, and um, he, he said to the dog, um, you know, you're, you're a good doggy. You're, you're a beautiful doggy. How are you doing, Mr. Greyhound? And then he swears that the dog looked back at him and said, well, I'm doing great. Thank you very much for asking. And he thought, how can this be? A talking dog? Well, I mean, there was a talking donkey in the Bible, so, I mean, God can do anything, so uh, he wouldn't put it past him. So he just thought, I just better make sure that I'm not hearing things. So he said, are you a talking dog? 
And the dog said, well, yes, I am a talking dog. That's pretty amazing, don't you think? And Fred said, yes, it is amazing. I, I, I understand that you used to be a, a racing greyhound. Um, the dog said, yes, that's right. I, I, I ran many races, but, you know, I quit the racing game. And Fred said, well, why, why did you quit? Why, why in the world would you do that? What, did, were they not treating you well? And the dog said, oh, no, they treated me great. They gave me the best of food, and they gave me every kind of luxury you can imagine. They brushed my fur every day. It was, it was wonderful. I, I, I had the best of care. And so Fred said, well, I don't understand. Did, did you quit because you just didn't like racing? And the dog said, well, no, I loved racing. I, I, the thrill of the competition and, and feeling the wind in my face. And so Fred said, well, did you not win any races? Is that why you quit? And the dog said, no, 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 I, I, I won lots of races. As a matter of fact, I have a trophy room with all my trophies in there, and I won lots of money for my owners. So Fred said, I just give up then. Why did you quit? You have to tell me. And the dog said, okay, well, if you really want to know, I'll tell you. One day I was just running as fast as I could, and I was really running faster than I had ever run before. I was flying around that track, and I ran so fast that I actually caught the rabbit. And I discovered that it wasn't even a real rabbit. All of my life I'd been running around in circles trying to catch something that wasn't even real. So let me ask you something this morning. What are you running after? The Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on that I might take hold of that for which I was taken hold of by Christ Jesus. I press on. I press on. I'm running after the prize before me, Paul said. I, I want to be all that Jesus Christ wants me to be. I'm not going to run around in circles. I'm not going to chase something that isn't even real. Pressing, pressing on toward the goal. There's a great word for that quality. That quality of pressing toward the goal. And, and it's a word that uh, I got from Coach John Wooden. I don't know if any of y'all have ever been in coaching before or, or followed basketball. But Coach John Wooden, the longtime coach for uh, UCLA, had a word called intentness. Intentness. Um, John Wooden was famous for a lot of things. He, he passed away back in 2010 but at the age of 99. But he was famous for a lot of things, not the least of which was that in his last 12 years of coaching, he won 10 national championships. Um, but one of the things he was famous for, if you've ever read any of his books, he developed what he called a pyramid of success. One building block on top of another. 25 character traits, really, that could define a successful person. He did this, well, 60-something years ago, but is still being used today. And on the bottom level of the pyramid of success is a word called intentness. And that is what I think the Apostle Paul means when he said, I'm pressing on. And what he's trying to say is, I'm making progress, and I'm making it on purpose. Making progress on purpose. I'm talking about our faith development here. In Bishop Snazy's book, Five Practices of a Fruitful Congregation, he has something that he calls intentional faith 
development. That means that we start with the basics and then we intentionally press on to the next step. We practice intentness. We make progress on purpose. Growing in our faith, which is the goal that we all should have, growing in our faith is like anything else. You have to be intentional if you're going to make progress. Um, that's the approach that Coach John Wooden took with his players. He was so intentional that in order to be one of his players, um, what do you think the first lesson was that he taught all of his players? All of these five-star, talented, seven-feet-tall players who came to play for UCLA, the first thing he taught them was not how to dribble. It wasn't how to shoot or how to guard or how to play defense or anything like that. The first thing he taught them was how to put on their socks. I'm not, that might sound funny to you, but, uh, but he made all of his players sit down and listen to how to put on the socks. Because he had a theory that, that some of the problems that players have was simply because they put their socks on wrong and they had wrinkles in their socks and therefore developed blisters and they hurt themselves and hurt the whole team. So no one could play for Coach Wooden unless they went through the lesson of how to put on their socks. Okay? So what was the second lesson? How to tie your shoes the right way. Okay? Um, here's a man with 10 national championships, a man who saw many of his players go on to play professionally. I mean, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know. And he started everybody out with the basics. Everybody. And do you know, for years after he retired, his former players would bring their children to Coach Wooden's house. And they would ask Coach Wooden to teach their children how to put on their socks and how to lace up their shoes. This is what we've got to be about in, in this church. If we're going to make disciples, we have got to teach God's children to put on their socks and shoes spiritually. That's one of the reasons I love Vacation Bible School so much. The children this, this last week learned uh, the basics. They learned their spiritual socks and shoes. They learned about Daniel in the lion's den, and they learned um, compassion from the Good Samaritan, and they learned gratitude from the leper that Jesus healed and came back and said thank you. And you know what? We never, ever outgrow these, these basic spiritual principles. We never outgrow them. We practice them and practice them and practice them. You know, if you, go, if you were to go to, to see a, a practice of the a Toronto Raptors who won the, the, championship, the NBA championship, if you, were, if you went to one of their practices, you know what they'd be working on? They'd be working on dribbling and passing and defense and free throws and working together as a team and listening to their coach. And, and if you had the chance to go to, to a, a university and watch the university team practice, they would be working on dribbling and passing and defense and free throws and playing together as a team and listening to their coach. And if you went to see little kids, they'd be working on dribbling and passing and defense and free throws and playing together as a team and listening to a coach. All of these things, these fundamentals that we're teaching the kids in VBS, loving God, loving our neighbor, living in community, we never outgrow these fundamentals. Paul didn't think so either. He said, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. In other words, he said, I'm not there yet. Anybody else can say I'm not there yet? Y'all better raise your hand. None of us are. But Paul said, one thing I do, I forget what lies behind, and I reach forward to what lies ahead, and I press on. You know, we're not there yet. We're all on a spiritual journey, and we'll get there, 
we'll get there if we can remember to remember the right things and to forget the right things. My favorite quote from uh, Coach John Wooden is this, success is never final, failure is never fatal, it's courage that counts. Courage, courage to press on, to press on to the goal that Christ has set for us, to be intentional, to be intentional in our own faith development. We'll get there if we can forget the right things, forget yesterday's successes, Success is never final, Coach Wooden said. Paul put it this way, whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Forget yesterday's successes and forget yesterday's failures. Failure is never fatal, Coach Wooden said. And, and Paul said it this way, one thing I do is I forget what lies behind and I press on. Remember to take the next step. It's courage that counts. Taking the next step takes courage. Reaching forward to those things which are ahead, Paul said, I press towards the goal. Are you pressing toward the goal? Are you pressing toward the goal that Christ has placed in front of you? Not something that's, that's not even real, not running around in circles, but pressing toward the goal. It takes courage to take that next step. You know, back at the beginning of the year uh, of 2019, I bet a lot of us in this room sat down and made some New Year's resolutions. Do you ever make New Year's resolutions? Well, now here we are in the middle of June, and sometimes you look back on those resolutions and you think, uh. But what if we just said, I'm going to make progress, and I'm going to do it on purpose. I'm going to take the next step. Um, I, I mentioned before one of my favorite authors, Anne Lamott, and she wrote a book uh, entitled Traveling Mercies, and she tells the story of her life and her, her own journey, and it was a journey of lots of ups and downs. She had lots of uh, things that she went through, bad relationships, drug and alcohol addiction. She talks about how she found faith in God as an adult and how that God's mercy and grace and her loving church family that she's a part of can help her get through just about anything. But there were times in her story that she just didn't know what to do. Have you ever been there? Just didn't know what to do. And here's what she writes about those times. She writes, I took a long, deep breath and wondered, as usual, where to start. You start where you are is the secret of life. You do the next right thing you can see, and then the next. Isn't that great? Start where you are, and you do the next right thing that you can see, and then the next. So what's your next step? In your own faith development, I don't know where you are in your journey. What's your next step? A couple of weeks ago, uh, Mary Catherine and Bryn Crane brought little baby Bo to be baptized. I wanted to be here so bad, but I was so sick, so I thank Pastor Kerry for taking over for me. But they brought this little boy, and they made the, his first step was to have that water placed on his head, to have his parents make a promise to raise him and to nurture him in the faith, and then to have all of you say that you're going to be there for him and to be his church family. What a great first step. And before you know it, little Bo is going to be one of our VBS kids. He's going to take another step in his journey. What about you, though? You've made a great step by being here in worship today. I'm, I'm glad that you're here. But maybe your next step is to 
find a Sunday school class to belong to. Or maybe your next step is, is to uh, take up a spiritual discipline that maybe you've let go. Studying your Bible or reading a, a spiritual book, journaling or serving or giving. It's never too late to go back to the fundamentals. Progress on purpose. You start where you are, and then you do the next right thing you can see, and then the next. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for being our Heavenly Father and for laying hold of us for a love that will not let us go. Thank you that you have a purpose for each of us. Thank you for your tender mercy and your grace and forgiving us for when we get off track. And help us, Lord, right now to purpose in our hearts to start where we are and to do the next right thing we can see to make progress on purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn is number 128 in your hymnal, He Leadeth Me. As we stand and sing this hymn together, I want you to know the altar is always